This morning we continue our look at the life of Joseph. It's the end of the book of Genesis. So I'd invite you to take a Bible in hand and turn to Genesis chapter 40 this morning. Genesis chapter 40. We will consider Genesis 40 and 41. If you're using a Bible from the Purak, it's towards the front on page 33 is where our passage begins. We'll read most of the passage here, um, not all of 41. Uh, in the story of Joseph, there are three sets of dreams. In chapter 37, we saw the first set of dreams. It was dreams that God gave to Joseph as a young man, as a teenager. In chapter 40, we have the second set. It's given to Pharaoh's cupbearer and then his baker. And then in 41, Pharaoh is given two dreams. Now, in Joseph's dreams, he was to be exalted to a place of rule. And so far in the story, about a, over a decade has gone by, and he has not been exalted to that place of rule as God told him he would in those dreams that God gave him. So far, he's been a slave and a prisoner. But here, it's It's astounding. It's, I mean, it, the events of the first part of chapter 41 could have taken place within an hour or two, possibly less. And in this brief period of time, he goes from being a slave prisoner to prime minister of Egypt. It's an amazing story. As Sinclair Ferguson once put it succinctly, God works slowly that he might work suddenly. God works slowly that he might work suddenly. Or as the hymn writer William Cooper put it, in his hymn, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, his purpose will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. This morning we get to see, eventually, that God's purpose for Joseph ripens fast. Before we read God's word, would you join me in prayer and ask for God's help? Heavenly Father, we ask that by your Spirit we would have ears to hear and that our hearts would receive. As for your Spirit's help, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Hear the word of God beginning in Genesis chapter 40. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with the two of his officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. One night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody in the master's house, Why are your faces downcast today? 
They said to him, We've had dreams, and there was no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Please, tell them to me. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream there was a vine before me, and on the vine there was three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly, when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and there also I have done nothing that should put me into the pit. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Well, then there's two years go by. And Pharaoh has a dream. And then picking up in verse 8. So in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offenses today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night, he and I each having a dream with his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. 
But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good years are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by the reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God. God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over the land of Egypt. Amen. And that ends this reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. May he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. On July 3rd, 1930, Pierre LaFontaine Jr. was born. He was a very sick child, often battling respiratory infections due to weak lungs. He was given expensive medicine, but it was not effective. Another doctor spoke to Pierre's father and gave him a prescription for an unorthodox treatment. And he told his dad, get a musical instrument that the boy would have to blow into. So they went to the music store, and Pierre chose the clarinet. At first, the little boy couldn't even make a noise, couldn't make a sound. But with practice came sounds and sounds, then notes, and eventually music. The dad changed the family name from La Fontaine to Fountain, and the boy grew up to be a jazz clarinetist. His stage name was Pete Fountain. He had a career that spanned over seven decades. Now, this would be worth, worth it. It would be a good way for rest and worship. You can search this afternoon, Pete Fountain, a closer walk with thee, and you will not regret it. Clarinet for a boy with weak lungs. 
An unorthodox treatment that had the boy's best in mind. It's kind of like the way our Heavenly Father matures you and I as His children. We would prefer the expensive medicine to cure us in a manner of days. However, our Heavenly Father has provided a great physician in His Son who knows exactly how to transform His people. We're thinking, God, heal my lungs. And the Lord says, I will, but I also want to make you into a musician. And that will take time. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace, and that work takes time. We see it taking time in Joseph's life here. Nearly 14 years. Forgiveness is something that the believer receives in an instant, but... Our maturity and growth in spiritual things, sanctification, the renewing of our whole man after the image of God takes time. And as the great physician is at work in you and me, we are more and more enabled to die unto self and live unto righteousness. At first, we pick up the clarinet, we can't make a noise, and we make a noise. Then we, those noises become notes. And then those notes become music. And if you're exceptionally gifted, they become jazz. We see this long work in Joseph's life. When we were first introduced to him, remember in chapter 37, he's excited about a life of greatness because this is what the Lord has revealed to him in his dreams. God has given him a dream that he will be placed in an exalted position of leadership. But as a 17-year-old, he is not ready. He's immature. He lacks wisdom required for the calling on his life. And over this period, we see that God has brought him through a series of trials in shaping and making the man. We see sanctification through the trials of suffering when he's first thrown into a pit by his brothers. Then, while in Potiphar's house, sanctification through facing temptation. And now, now in prison, so close to the fulfillment of the dreams that the Lord had given him, so close, we see sanctification through waiting. So that's the first thing I want us to see this morning is God's purpose in waiting for Joseph. God's purpose in waiting. Look back at Chapter 40, verse 1. So he's been thrown in the prison by Potiphar based on the false accusations of Potiphar's wife. She is the upset and scorned seductress who could not convince Joseph to sleep with her and falsely accuses him. Because he's a slave, there's no trial. He's thrown in the prison and he's in prison for some time. Then... We learn that in verse 41, this sometime is extended for another two years. And then in verse 46, which we did not read, we learn that Joseph is 30 when he comes into service of Pharaoh. Now what makes this waiting particularly difficult is that there's this wonderful opportunity that Joseph is presented with when the cupbearer and the baker come into the prison. And it seemed that God was orchestrating his release at that time. See, the cupbearer and the baker, uh, they're there because 
it says, you could, you could have translated there in the beginning of verse 40, that they sinned against Pharaoh. It wasn't just that he was mildly offended by him. They had done something worthy of imprisonment. Now, you got to understand that the cupbearer and the baker, they are those who are in the, the, the confidence of Pharaoh. Ancient rulers, particularly Pharaohs, they were constantly concerned that someone was trying to plan a coup by poisoning them. So the man who hands you your wine and the man who bakes your bread is pretty important. And so it could be that these two somehow were caught in a conspiracy against Pharaoh. And now, God has brought these royal officials and put them in a, in a cell with Joseph. And then, God gives these men dreams. Now, both for these men and for Pharaoh, dreams were huge for ancient Egyptians. They had a whole industry of dream interpreters. And that's what it said in 41, that Pharaoh's interpreters could not interpret the dreams. They saw dreams to have a, a, a giving foresight into the future. And these two men, they understood that dreams were important, but they had no means to interpretation. And Joseph is able to interpret their dreams, enabled and empowered by God to do so. It would seem that all the pieces are coming together. And Joseph then grabs the cupbearer as he's leaving prison and says, remember me, remember me. Three days from now, when you're restored, remember me. I'm here unjustly. I do not belong here. And then it's two years. It's two years, 730 days, over 17,000 hours, over a million minutes, over 63 million seconds. Joseph, forgotten, it would seem again. He's placed in a situation of waiting, waiting upon waiting. Like these other trials, waiting reveals character. And also, we see that waiting transforms character. It has a sanctifying purpose. What could be that sanctifying purpose in Joseph? It could be several things, but one of the things that we are tempted to do when we are forced to wait is to grow bitter. To grow bitter against those who are causing the delay, the obstacle, or the hindrance in our life. Dangerously, we are tempted to grow bitter at God. We understand to be sovereign and in His providence, ruling and governing all His creatures and all their actions. To be consistent, we have to acknowledge that God is orchestrating the waiting when we are waiting. So, we must learn not to grow bitter at others and bitter towards Him. We must learn how to not grow impatient. How to, as we put off bitterness, but also cultivate patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. I've probably shared this before, but years ago, um, my daughter was uh, in a Sunday school class and they were learning about the fruit of the Spirit. And at some point during the week, uh, one of us, either my wife or I, mentioned, hey, you really need to practice 
patience. And she responded with, well, we didn't learn that yet in Sunday school, so how am I supposed to practice it? To not grow bitter at the cupbearer or at God required that Joseph was trusting the Lord. Psalm 105, 19 is part of a section in Psalm 105 that is commenting on Joseph's experience from prison to exaltation. And this is what it says in verse 19. The word of the Lord tested him. What was happening in the waiting? Well, that dream was being tested, those dreams. It was requiring that Joseph would trust the word of the Lord to him through the dreams. God was growing him in his trust. And trust, it helps us not grow bitter. It helps us to practice patience, knowing that all things are under God's hand and directed by his hand. But as trust in God's word is strengthened, there's another fruit of the Spirit. We'll talk about this more tonight in our evening service Trust cultivates peace in the heart of the believer. Your heart learns to rest in God when you're forced to wait. Learns to rest in His Word. And it's a very human story. He's not, he's not a perfect man, but in a very sincere way, he, he asked the, in verse 14, remember me, remember me when you're, you're out to the cupbearer. The cupbearer forgets, but he does not grow bitter. He deepens his trust and peace in the Lord. It's similar to to Christ in the garden. But the cross, just, just hours away, says to his heavenly Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Christ in his humanity, feeling the weight of what is coming. And here, Joseph, in the waiting, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's, it's hard. It's difficult. But God had a purpose in the waiting. Waiting strengthens your trust in the Lord. And when your trust is mature, you're kept from bitterness. You will endure hardship with patience. And you'll enjoy the fruit of the Spirit as your heart rests in God's Word. But as Joseph waits, he's not passive. We see that he is serving. He is serving. And that's the the second thing that I want you to see from our our two chapters this morning is that God has a purpose for his gifts. His purpose is service. Now, throughout the story of Joseph, we have to, to take note that he is a remarkably gifted young man. It's by the Lord's blessing and the Lord's presence with him, but he seems to be gifted with exceptional people skills that he can communicate and relate to people here in his 20s in Potiphar's house when he's put over and then in the prison when he's put over in a place of charge. He also has administrative skills. He has leadership skills. What becomes evident here, especially in 40 and 41, is that He has the gift of prophecies, interpreting these dreams from God. He's a very gifted man. But we can say that this man now is using his gifts in a different way than the 17-year-old in chapter 37 would have used gifts. 
There's a hint, just a hint, but in, early in the Joseph story that maybe there was a little bit of self-centeredness as he shared the dream with his father and brothers that God had given him. And it would seem that through these almost 14 years, God's long prescription for Joseph has whittled away any self-centeredness and he has learned that his gifts are for serving. So, in verse 4 of chapter 40, what does it say there? That he attended them. He attended them. The cupbearer and the baker. In his oversight of the prison, he serves. He attended them. And then in verse 6 of chapter 40, he saw that they were troubled. He had compassion on his cellmates. And then in verse 80, uh, verse 8 of chapter 40, he volunteers to help them with these dreams. He says, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. He's seeking to serve these fellow prisoners. And then later in the story, which we read in verses 34 and 36 of chapter 41, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and then he offers counsel with no strings attached. If I would have been in Joseph's shoes, I would have been tempted to say, Pharaoh, here's the interpretation of your dreams. Now the same God who told me what your dreams mean also has given me wisdom to help you navigate these years of famine. So how about you put me in charge of this management system? No, Joseph just serves. He gives the counsel to Pharaoh and says, this is what you need to do. It's a hard thing, but you're going to gather for the next seven years. You're going to raise taxes by 20% in order to provide in a time of famine and need. This man has embraced the role of a servant. And he recognizes the gifts that the Lord has given him are for service. In the most humiliating circumstances, he embraces serving. You and I... We're tempted to put off service until times of prosperity, aren't we? It's where that things calm down, things get better, there's more in the bank account, there's less on my calendar, then I'm free to serve. But in serving in this low place of humility, not waiting for exaltation to serve, he points us to Christ, doesn't he? who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10, verse 44. And I'm not encouraging anyone here to burn out. But I'm exhorting you to embrace the role of a servant with whatever gifts you have and whatever circumstances you find yourself and do so for the good of others. Do so for the good of others. Now we could do a number of applications and all over the place and we could touch every person and life category in this room. But maybe let's take a moment and think about the young men who are with us. Boys, however old you are, if you're in here and you can hear me, listen to this. In some capacity or other, God will call you to lead in life. 
It may just be in your home that you would be a Christ-like leader in your home for your wife and kids one day if that's what the Lord calls you to and blesses you with. It may be that God would call you to serve in his church one day as a deacon or an elder or a pastor. It may that God would send you as a church planner. It may that God would call you into the business world and to lead, representing Christian integrity. It may be that like Joseph, God may call you to civil service. And would you decide now that whatever gifts God has given you to lead, you will use them for service and for the good of others. So young man, if God has made you strong, use your strength for others. If God has made you fast, use your speed for others. If God made you good with numbers, use it for the good of others. If God has made you good with words, use it for others. Whatever gifts Commit now that you're not going to use the gifts that God has sovereignly given you and blessed you with and is shaping and molding your life for your own glory, but for the good of others and for the glory of your Savior, Lord and Jesus. See, the world is interested in training leaders, but in the kingdom of God, it's different. God makes his people servants and then calls servants to lead. And this is what he's done over and over again with Joseph. In Potiphar's house, he is there to serve as a slave. Then in prison, he's exalted, but in a place of service. And now, he's exalted to be prime minister in Pharaoh's house over all of Egypt. Well, what kind of prime minister he will be? He won't be one that will serve himself, but serves others. This is God's molding and shaping. So we see God's purpose in waiting. Ultimately, is to teach our hearts to rest in God's Word. We see God's purpose in giving each and every person in this room gifts. They're given to us that we might serve. Now, let's consider God's purpose for exalting. Our third thing, God's purpose for exalting. God's purpose for exalting his servant is for the advance of God's kingdom. Gordon Wenham has put it very well. The veil of tears has proved to be the valley of soul making. And here is God's man in God's place and God's timing for God's purposes exalted. And what are those purposes is that the text makes it very clear what stands out, what should strike you over and over again. And what Joseph presses home to Pharaoh is that ultimately it is not Pharaoh who's in charge, but it is the Lord and his kingdom and his kingdom purposes. What's fascinating is that the, what's made clear in the text is that the famine that come isn't a judgment against Egypt. And we're not even told that it's a judgment against Jacob and his family. It's just God's means of accomplishing his purposes. Now, it's not as simple as that, but it's, that's just the, the fact of the text is that we're supposed to see a God 
who's ruling and who's in control of everything. And now Joseph exalted. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, For those who honor me, I will honor. Now that was a part of a condemning word to the prophet Eli, but here it applies to Joseph. Tested over and over again, and each time he honors the Lord. He does it in the face of Pharaoh over and over again. In verse 15 of chapter 41, Pharaoh tries to give Joseph credit. said, hey, I heard you can interpret dreams. And immediately Joseph deflects and points to God and says, no, it is the Lord who can interpret the dream. And then, given the opportunity again, in verse 25, he gives the Lord all the credit. Then in verse 32, he gives the Lord all the credit. Consistently, step after step. And maybe Joseph can, can at this point, start to see what... The, the, the Lord is doing and how he will come to that place to where his sheaf will be exalted above all the other grains of sheaf and his brothers will come bow to him. Maybe he's starting to see that. Maybe he's seeing that this is the way in which the Lord is, is going to make it to where that the sun, moon, and stars bow down to me. But he never makes it about himself and he's always to Pharaoh testifying that it is the Lord that is in control. It is the Lord that has revealed this. It is the Lord who is giving wisdom. He is not sought to be first anymore. He is accepted being last and he's just concerned about the glory of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. The mighty hand of God in Joseph's life has been a hard thing year after year after year. But his hand has remained on him. And then as he's taken the low position, now God exalts him. Your friends, do you believe God's word? That if you honor him and seek to walk in humble obedience to him, he will honor you. Do you believe God's word that though you may not see that honor in this life, that God in his kindness and his grace to sinners like you and I, that as he redeems us and makes us into his servants that bear fruit, enabling us all the while to bear that fruit, he then honors and rewards us in eternity for the service that he enabled us to give. He honors and rewards us for using our gifts in a way to serve others. Gifts that he gave us. Now, there is a little bit of attention in the text, maybe, that, that comes out. Look back in chapter 41, verse 42. And let's take note of all the things that happened to Joseph very quickly. Then Joseph, Pharaoh took his signet ring, verse 42, from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. Clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He's setting him apart as royalty. Once again, a garment is pretty important in the Joseph story. And then in verse 43, 
He made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over the land of Egypt. Verse 44. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath paneah And he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Pharaoh has brought him into nobility in Egypt. He has set him apart. Everyone will recognize he has commanded that they would bow down to Joseph. And the question is, will Joseph become Egyptianized? Well, maybe seven years ago he might have. But after 14 years of humbly walking with his Lord, he knows it's not due to his giftings or talents. And he would dare not forget the Lord. And so in verse 51, when the Lord blesses him with children before the famine come, look at verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For he said, God has made me forget all my hardship in my father's house. It's God has made. God has made the man and God has made the man to forget his pain. Then verse 52 the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. God has made him fruitful in the land of affliction. These are Hebrew names. And though he is at the top of Egypt, he remembers the God of the Hebrews. Then in verses 56 to 57, we won't read them, but we see that God's kingdom is advances his purposes. It's a partial fulfillment of what God told Abraham in Genesis 12, that all the world would be blessed through him. And through Joseph, in a time of great famine, many, many are blessed. Joseph would go on to rule for 80 years in this position. We see a man who is both prophet and under Pharaoh, he is king. Dear Saint, it is a simple reminder that your Heavenly Father has given you a prophet and king who is your great physician, who is working in you to forget the pain of your past and is producing fruit for service and affliction so that his kingdom will advance. And though Joseph's rule came to an end, your prophet king's rule and his kingdom will never end. In closing, there on the throne next to Pharaoh, it would, it would be quite easy for Joseph to say, oh, I see how my, my Lord loves me. And to be certain, this exaltation is God delighting in his his faithful, obedient servant. But we have to be careful not to just recognize God's love when we are honored. We have to recognize God's love remains on us in humiliation. At the end of chapter 39, verse 21, when he arrives in prison, we're told that the Lord was with him and that the Lord showed him hesed. 
steadfast love. His covenant, never changing, never ending love. Dear saints, no matter what you're going through, if you are in Christ, whether it's the pit, the prison, or if you find yourself on the throne, the Lord's steadfast love remains on you in honor and in humility. And would you recognize His love displayed to you in the making and shaping and transforming of your character to be more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have good designs for all of Your children. We thank You that in Your wisdom, You use evil for good. You use affliction for the building of character. We thank You that You do not allow us to be overwhelmed with responsibility without enabling, equipping, and preparing us so may we be good stewards of the gifts and may we be good stewards of the moment that we find ourselves in. Trusting your word and seeking your help. That we might, in our day, serve for the advance of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.